Welcome to the DLR Library Podcast, Need to Read, recommended reads from those in the know. This is the first podcast in this series and we've gone with Vita Kuhlman. Hello. Hello. Vita works in DLR Libraries for the last 12 years. We wanted to to talk to someone about uh, books for story time so books that are good for reading out loud Vita has a lot of experience in this she's our baby book club trainer for staff in the libraries and she also facilitates that um, is it every week that you do that yes we do it weekly in Cavan and um, she also um, does story time um, she's a book doctor at Children's Books Ireland and writes reviews for them uh, as well as edits the um, one of the sections in the recommended reads so Vita you're very very knowledgeable on recommending children's books to parents and to other staff in the libraries because it it can be daunting if you're not used to children you don't have them yourself or maybe in your family so it is a a skill you have to learn um so maybe you could just tell me a little bit about how you got into children's books um I think initially I got into children's books because it was my turn to be on that section um but then I quickly found that the quality of the illustration at the moment in children's books um, and even the writing and the concept behind some of them is just really, really sophisticated. Um, and it's kind of a part of the library that you can access an awful lot of art in um, without really realizing it. Um, and I also, I used to be a piano teacher um, and I would have taught a lot of younger kids as well. So I've always had a bit of experience in chatting to kids around that age and 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 um, engaging with them in what they felt was fun and interesting in the world. Um, so it's it's a nice way into that yeah and it it really is a skill as well isn't it I know when I started with story time I was terrified the first time um I had to do it yeah there's a lot of confidence building that you need you need and especially because you can't be the nervous one the children are the nervous ones you have to be the confident one (laughs) I know but I I didn't think I was going to be nervous until I sat down and and realized I had an audience and parents and I knew that if you, if I didn't do it, it didn't put energy into it, it would look, you'd look worse. So I, I wasn't expecting <laughs> that. It's, it's a horrible feeling when it doesn't go well. I, I remember once in, um, in Dean's Grange, we all had to draw straws because a bus of 20 something year olds from an American teacher training university arrived and wanted to attend story time. Yeah. And so we had to do story time. I had to do story time for like 17 bored, hungover teenagers essentially and that is the hardest thing so small children are fine people don't think of librarians <laughs> they don't. It is. <laughs> especially when the kids start walking away which which happens it, well you, you can't take yes. it personally you can, exactly so when you're reading stories um especially to young young children in the baby book club we're like zero to three so once they realize they can walk and crawl they're just really excited about that um, and that's the, their primary focus for a bit um but what we're really doing is not necessarily teaching the story, but teaching listening to a story yeah. um, and what a story is and, and how to listen. So, And even kind of beyond books and everything, just as a form of social interaction, that listening skill is really important. Um, and when we're reading in Cabin Tilly, particularly Brenda, actually, who does the Baby Book Club with me sometimes, she is amazing at this thing called dialogue reading where she asks them questions constantly like every single page she's like who's got a hat on and who likes red shoes and who's you know what did you have for breakfast so they're just constantly 
brought into the story and the story is related to them and that that's a really like I'm not as amazing as at that as Brenda is she's the best person I've ever seen do that I think um but she she can relate it to every single one of those like 26 people 15 children that are there you know that's that is a big skill in itself but dialogic reading is one of the kind of the most important things for kind of drawing children into books and into the story and, and making them feel like it is a part of their world and that they are a part of its world rather than kind of these two separate things. I find questions are my, the first thing I would I learned. I've learned a few more skills at story time, but that would have been um and for and the the first few questions I did w- would fall on deaf ears. <laughs> They'd be like, "Are you enjoying this?" You can't ask them no. questions like that. <laughs> it's <far> too needy. <laughs> you can't be needy. <laughs> no. Uh, you Does anyone like this book? They you don't ask them those kind of questions. Um <laughs> no, no. So one of the um one of the things I learned, I think a couple of years ago, I was at a seminar and an artist was there. I think it was Helen Barry. She's amazing. And she was talking about visual thinking strategies. So what she does is when she starts the story, she holds the book up and she says, can anyone see what's on the cover of the book? And somebody puts their hand up and she lets them say what they see. And she says, yeah, that's, that's really amazing. Can anyone see anything else? And then you're kind of teaching that different people can see different things in the same thing as well. And it kind of broadens everybody's idea about what might be on the book. And then she'll ask them what they think the story might be about um, before she's even opened the book. So that, that's, a really, that's a really good way to start. Um, then after that, it can be, it depends how big your group is. Um, of course, if you have a giant group of children, you can't have 35 children all shouting out. It'll just be chaos and nobody will listen to the story. And um, so you have to tailor it, obviously, to your group. If it's a one-on-one reading situation, which I think most of the listeners, that's what they'd be doing, um, that, that that's where all that really comes out, is, is all those questions and conversations that you have about books and about what the characters the books are doing and what you think of that and what you would do if you were that character and, and all those things to kind of use the book as a way of navigating the world almost and would you be asking those questions on each page or sort of throughout the book um it would depends who i'm reading to so if i'm reading to my son yes yeah sometimes a few times on each page depending well he's eight so there's there's more words per page um so it would kind of depend like you you could if you're reading one-on-one with a child maybe something really fascinating has happened and all you're going to do is talk about that page do you know yeah, um, yeah, and sometimes there's n- like if you're reading Goodnight Moon, and you're just picking out bits and pieces that you can see, do you know, which is kind of a bit like where's Wally? Do you know, you find the clock and and all that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, you're still chatting about what you see yeah. in it. It's still kind of a conversation. It's not um, it's not a performance from one person to another. Yeah. Well, maybe um, we'll just start with one of the books that you've brought along. Um, and you just okay. maybe tell us a little bit about it and okay we could read it or we'll see <laughs> yeah okay well I have uh, this new wonderful book that is on all of the Christmas roundups at the moment don't worry little crab by Chris Houghton I really 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 love Chris Houghton's books I didn't really understand them a few years ago um, and why they were so great and then I started using them for the baby book club and they're just completely perfect there's quite a lot of um the visuals are really simple which means that you could make pictures like them their collage um afterwards and they would look quite like them so there wouldn't be that kind of disappointing gap between what you had made you know and what the kid sees in the picture that can be 
upsetting for them sometimes if they're perfectionists. Yeah, it's a very particular style he has. You, you'd recognize you the would recognize it away. anywhere. Yeah. See, he has um, is it Oh No George? He has. Sh- we have a plan, which is a baby book club favorite. That is really good for big groups of children, um, and also for bedtime because on every page it goes shh, and every time everyone hears that, of course, everybody is quiet. So it's that's a really effective one if you have a rowdy group of children. Shh. We have a plan by Chris Hutton. Yeah. And <laughs> um, so this one here. Um, so Chris's books, they're both really simple and they're also quite deep. So the illustrations are striking and fun and they're really accessible. Um, and there's quite a few that I do use regularly, including We Have a Plan, but this is my favorite one. Um, so it's called Don't Worry, Little Crab. Um, like all of Houghton's work, there's a quote on the publication info page, which kind of gives you an overview of this thing that the book is actually meditating on. So you can ignore it and the book can be this really simple story or you can read it and and it just brings kind of an astounding depth to the whole thing. So in this one, his quote that he has chosen is from Anise Nin and it's life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Um, so it's nice. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So sometimes you can just rush through the books if you don't have time to read them. So, you know, if you read that, you know, this is what it's going to be about because they're not always obvious. <laughs> they're not they're always about. obvious. And it also gives you like a real appreciation for the work you know I, I don't mean like the physical work I mean I mean the artwork of it all like this isn't something that that this man Chris just reams off do you know to make a few bob like he's really thought quite deeply about it yes um, he has thought about it and it, he's from Dublin isn't he, he is studied in IADT I think um so would you like me to start I would love you to read it okay so I always start by going the story we're going to read is called don't worry little crap and The words, the story is written by Chris Holton. He made up the story and he also did the pictures. Yeah, so I I really like to kind of point out that there's these bits of making a book and there's people that make them. And, you know, we all make up stories and draw pictures. So that's a nicer way um, and a more kind of connecting way to talk about it than like author and illustrator and 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 words like that. Yeah, and it makes it seem possible. Exactly, yeah. It fills it with possibilities because, I don't know, I, I always want them to make their own stories and their own lives. So it goes like this. Little crab and very big crab live in a tiny rock pool. You can't see the pictures, but they're beautiful. They're beautiful. (laughs) Today, they're off to the sea. (gasps) This is going to be so great, says little crab. I like to put an awful lot of like really big emotions in my voice when I'm reading because it grabs all their attention (laughs) a lot. And it also kind of cues them into like what what is happening it's kind of just more information really yeah yeah um so there is a picture of a tiny little crab and his like giant big caregiver crab going up a rock pool they go over the rocks splish splash splish splash across the pools so all those um onomatopoeic words are really really good for phonological awareness which is just being able to sort out which which noises are what so you can also develop that through things like listening for when the dart is coming before you see it and that sort of thing and that's those are like key early literacy skills we always try to kind of stick a few of those in oh yeah and squelch 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 through the slimy slippery seaweed oh they're making these amazing like their eyes are all squished up in disgust by the squelch (laughs) it's incredible i can go anywhere says little crab finally they get to the very edge. Here we are, says Very Big Crab. (gasps) 
The sea. Oh, says little crab. Uh-oh. Yeah, he's feeling a little bit worried, maybe. Maybe it's better we don't go in the sea, says little crab. Don't worry, says very big crab. It will be okay. But the waves are getting bigger. <gasps> Look, a huge wave. Hold tight. <gasps> Here it comes. Whoosh. Now, no, one of the best things about Chris one of the best things about Chris Houghton's um, stories is that he has loads of suspense. Like they're just they're filled with suspense. So it just says whoosh and there is this wave splashing them and you don't know what happens until you turn the page. So it's a very dramatic. Their eyes are all yeah, are you ready? <laughs> I think we've had enough of the sea now, says Little Crab. Let's just go a little bit further, says Little Very Big Crab. I think you'll like it. But the waves keep getting bigger and bigger. Another one. Hold tight. Here it comes. And I think when you're reading it, if you hold tight and everybody holds tight and you can kind of get them all to, to be all tense for the whoosh. And then a big relax. I don't think I like the sea, says Little Crab. Maybe we should go home. He's pointing back the other way. Let's go home. <laughs> yes. Very cute. Don't worry, little crab, says very big crab. I'm here. Come, just a few more steps. Little crab takes a step. Then another. Until <gasps> I'm in the sea, says little crab. But then they see an enormous wave. Oh my gosh, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Ready, as very big crab. And little crab nods and they take a deep breath. <gasps> Here it comes. Whoosh. And on this glorious page, you see them underwater, holding hands under the sea. Down, down, down they go. Look, little crab. Oh, it's beautiful. It's really colorful and there's loads of different shapes of fish. And these would be great, in fact, um, to make, like to make collages of these fish. And maybe this underwater scene afterwards, they'd be really simple. It's just like triangles and circles and things like that. Everyone comes to say hello. My name is Little Crab, says Little Crab. They eat delicious seaweed. If you have very brave children, you could get some like sushi seaweed and feed them to this <laughs> for that for feed them that for this bit. They run all across the sea floor, whee! And they have a giant game of hide and seek. I love the sea, says little crab. Yes, but it's time to go home now, says very big crab. What? I really don't want to go home says Little Crab. Well, how about we go the long way home, says Very Big Crab. <gasps> Can we go up this way, says Little Crab. I think you can go anywhere, says Very Big Crab. And off they went. So that lovely story is Don't Worry Little Crab and it is by Chris Horton, which is magnificent.
Thank you for that reading, Vita. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you. I don't think I do my story times quite quite as good as that. <laughs> <laughs> it's inspired me to to um, be more performative. Yeah, it can be nice. It can. It depends. Do you know? I think some people, especially if you're doing lots of dialogue reading, yeah. it can be very hard to break from that. To break from the performance into asking the questions and it can kind of throw you off a bit so I think that performative reading is I don't know I really enjoy it um and the kids like it too the kids that come obviously but it, it maybe isn't for everyone so you kind of have to read your audience a bit sometimes you'll be with a group of kids and you know they'll want to talk about their shoes and their crab and their fish and their bowl and it's really important to make a lot of room for that and sometimes the book will dictate it as well there's noises that they can do with you or if it's re- repeated yeah just when, when you said that it reminded me of um a couple of years ago when my son was younger and game of thrones was on and i was a bit obsessed with Tyrion, and our favorite story was the highway rat and we ended up doing the highway rat every time in the voice of Tyrion lannister from game of thrones which was just the most fun and i think that when you have something like that in your mind where it kind of melds if you bring a bit of fun and have a bit of crack with the story it will make it more enjoyable for kind of everybody involved yeah and you as well. Particularly me, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so we might go on to another one here. Yeah. Which one did you want to go with? Um, let me have a look. Oh, I think we'll do a very different one. So we'll do chocolate cake. So he he also did, he did We're Going on a Bear Hunt, which... Well, no, he didn't He didn't make it up, but yeah, he, he published it. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're doing that here on Thursday, where we're actually going to go through the action. So that's one that kind of dictates what you can do. And it has lots of squelchy noises and things like that. Yeah, it does. It's a great story. That actually features as well on our ASC, our autism specific collection, on our book list um, of books that are that are particularly good for kids um, with for autistic kids um, because of the sensorial aspect of it. I think. And we have we have lots of those book lists here in the library. If yeah. people want to pick them up, we do. So the next one is Chocolate Cake. It's by Michael Rosen and it has an Irish illustrator, Kevin Waldron. Um, So Chocolate Cake was originally a poem, a part of a poetry collection. um, And it is one of my very favorite read-alouds and it's filled with mischief and personality and suspense. Um, A couple of years ago, Kevin Waldron, who illustrated, won an award from Children's Books Ireland for how phenomenal the illustrations in this are. Um, you can't see it here clearly, but they're really expressive and witty and they breathe a new life um, and they really enhance the tension in a really kind of visceral, kind of fun and cinematic way in the book. Um, so the fact that it used to be a poem, it you can't really tell when you're reading it. It's a perfect picture book, but it's also a great bridge into children's poetry, which can be a bit neglected, but it is really helpful um, and great and fun. So I'll read this one first, and then I'll have a second poem turned into a picture book as well. So this one is Chocolate Cake by Michael Rosen, who you can also hear reading it himself um, on the internet, YouTube, I think. So the pictures are by Kevin Waldron, and Michael Rosen made up the story. Okay, you ready? When I was a boy, I had a favorite treat. It was when my mum made chocolate cake. Oh, I love chocolate cake. My mum, she says to me, listen, Michael, if there's any chocolate cake left over at the end of the day, you can take some to school tomorrow to have at playtime or at lunchtime. So 
I used to go to school with a piece of chocolate cake in my little box and I'd be walking to school. Oh, it's in there. I know it is. And I'd get to school and it would be playtime or lunchtime and I'd open the box and I'd take it out. <gasps> What's it going to be? Chocolate cake it is. Oh, open up the paper. Gonna get it. Look. Oh, mm. <gasps> gobble, gobble, gobble. Oh, I loved my mum's chocolate cake. Yes. And one time, there was some chocolate cake left over at the end of the day. And I went to bed and I was fast asleep. And then, in the middle of the night, I woke up and I thought, chocolate cake. <laughs> Maybe I could go downstairs and have a little look at it. No one would know. got up out of bed, shh, mustn't wake up my brother, along the passage, careful not to tread on the creaky floorboard outside mum and dad's bedroom, because if they wake up and find me, I'll be in big trouble, so really quiet, creak, are they still asleep? Yes, okay, along the passage, down the stairs, into the kitchen, open the cupboard and, <gasps> yeah, there it is. So I take it out. Just have a little look at it. Mm -hmm. Oh, look at it. Yeah. <gasps> What's this? Oh, and then I notice some little crumbs on the plate. So I think if I lick the end of my finger, I could pick up some of those crumbs and no one would know anything about it. <gasps> chicka, 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 chicka. Oh, yeah. Little sticky bit there. Mm, gobble. And then I notice on the side of the cake, there's just some little crumbly bits falling off. So I think if I take a knife, I could just tidy it up a little bit. Nobody would notice. Nobody. Yep, I think we've all done that, haven't we? That's <laughs> <laughs> why I love it so much. Scrape, scrape, scrunch it all together and then there's the crumbly bits and the sticky bits and it's all going to go in there. Yeah, belly, belly, belly. Oh, yum, yum, yum. <gasps> and then I notice that as I've tidied it up a little bit over here, then maybe I could just even it up a bit over here. Mm -hmm. ah. So I take the knife again and this time through the crispy icing on the top through the squashy icing in the middle scrape <gasps> and i have got a whole slice this time yeah it's all gonna go in there it's a belly 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 and it's wham, gobble <laughs> amazing isn't it <laughs> and now <gasps> i've got the taste of it in my mouth and i can't stop myself so i go yep and I've got these slices, so I go gobble, 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 gobble. <gasps> I can't stop myself. Greedy. Now, you can't see the picture here, but I'm going to show it to Hayley. Yes, it's, it's, he's, all, he's, he's really gone. Like he's, he's, he's adult. He's cake he's in adult. Sugar heaven. <gasps> oh no. It's all gone. Oh no. They're bound to notice now. A whole chocolate cake doesn't just disappear. What am I going to do? I know. 
I'll wash up the plate and the knife and they won't know anything about it. Yeah, good thinking. Take the plate and the knife and wash it up really quiet. Wash up the plate and the knife and don't forget to dry up. Get the cloth. Don't forget the knife and don't forget to put them away. Plate in the cupboard and the knife in the drawer. And back up to bed. Up the stairs. Along the passage. I know where the creaky floorboard is now. So all I've got to do is tread over it. Because if I tread on it and it makes a noise, I am dead. Creak. Careful now. (gasps) Are they still asleep? Yes. It's okay. So in this book, it's really great because he's actually included an awful lot of the questions. So when it says, are they still asleep? You can just get them to answer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of those questions are included in, which is really helpful. So, are they still asleep? And then they can see the picture. Are they still asleep, Haley? Yes. Oh, it looks like he's one eye he's open. Got one eye open. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's how he sleeps. Maybe. Into the bedroom, into the bed, under the covers. Ah, nice warm feeling. Chocolate cake in my belly. Goody, goody, goody. And I go to sleep. In the morning, I get up and I go downstairs and I'm having my breakfast and mum is busy over there and she's busy over there and then she says, oh Michael, don't forget your book folder and she hands me my book folder and I'm busy having my breakfast and she's busy over there, she's busy (laughs) over there and then she says, oh Michael, there's something else, there's something nice. There's some chocolate cake left over from yesterday for you to take to school today. And I went, all right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, what's the matter? You usually jump at the idea of having chocolate cake. And I went, yeah, it's all right, it's okay. Very out of character. And she's looking at me very closely just here next to my mouth and she says what's that and I say what's what it's not it's not chocolate cake is it and I said don't know so funny and she went over to the cupboard (gasps) it's gone the chocolate cake's gone you haven't eaten the whole rest of the chocolate cake have you and I said I don't know (laughs) you don't know she said you don't know I don't believe a word of it now off you go to school no before you go to school (laughs) Go upstairs to the bathroom and wash your dirty, sticky face. Do that very well. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of practice. And I went upstairs to the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and I saw it just there. (gasps) Chocolate smudge. Chocolate blob. And I looked at it and I thought, maybe next time we have chocolate cake. She'll forget about it. Do you think so? 
Do you think she will? It's, it's there for me. <laughs> it's right there for you. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So it, it ends in this, in this great question. And it's one of the stories that it's very helpful that he has put the questions in it because there's so much tension in it. Um, even for the adults, yeah. because we have all, well, maybe not all of us, but I certainly have accidentally eaten far more cake than I should have, um, especially when small. And uh, it's just, I love the humor story. in it as well. I, I like the kind of, I don't know, yeah. kinda, no bother. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so funny. I think that, that works really well. It does. And the pictures, like the illustrations really, they they bring so much to it. It's, it's, it's a bit of a masterpiece. Because I'm enjoying this so much. Can you please do one more story? Oh, one more tune. Just one more. Okay, I have one more. Um, and it is another poem turned into a picture book. And I really like this. I'm big into the kids' poetry at the moment. Um, other ones I will just briefly recommend. Are there is um, a reprinting of Ted Hughes's animal poetry. So for kids that are a little bit older, that maybe they're like kind of seven or eight, um, they're really good, especially if they are kids that get kind of tired by reading too many words but they can still decode well it allows them to read things with kind of complex and rich language and um, but they don't go on for pages and pages and pages so it's it's a really nice way if anyone's having a little bit of a harder time reading and um, to kind of to keep their vocabulary and and the complexity of the things they're reading high without exhausting them with like 15 pages of yeah the same we should word. just put them off and yeah Okay, so this one though is not like that. It is called Kicking a Ball by Alan Alberg. It's an old um, poem and it's not particularly recently published, um, but I do love it. It's illustrated by Sebastian Braun, who has another great series for preschoolers called Meow, M-E-E-O-W, which again was published a while ago, but I'm sure you'll still get it from if you ask your favorite independent bookseller. I'm sure she can source it for you or he. So this one, or librarian. (laughs) (laughs) What I like best, yes. Most of all, in my whole life, is kicking a ball. Not eating an ice cream or riding a bike. Nope, kicking a ball is what I like. Not reading a book or writing a letter. No, kicking a ball is 20 times better. My legs might be skinny and my feet might be small, but I get a kick out of kicking a ball. Yes, kicking a ball, kicking a ball. With Clive and Trevor and Malcolm and Paul, or even without them, just me and a wall. Not punching a ball or bashing a ball, serving a ball or smashing a ball, not throwing a ball or blowing a ball, not bowling or batting or patting a ball, not pinging or ponging or potting or putting, but booting and shooting. Yes, kicking. Oh, kicking. Just kicking a ball. Um, Sometimes when I'm reading that last bit, I kind of trip up a bit. And I like to include it um, because I like showing people that when you're reading, sometimes you make mistakes and you just go on and it's not a big deal. Um, and I think actually a really big part of story time is making the odd mistake yeah. and kind of acknowledging it yeah. and it not being a big and thing. And you usually do because you're reading upside down sometimes because <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're holding <laughs> you the book out. Or even sometimes when I'm like singing songs with them, like I just get it completely wrong. Yes, and, you I know, forgot and the lyrics like, oh to Twinkle Twinkle Little Star the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it, that, that kind of, that showing people particularly like parents who, who can sometimes be quite intimidated by, by reading stories to their kids um, and, and whether they're doing it properly or not. I, th- I think making mistakes really openly and laughing about them is a kind of a really important part of it. Um, so to kind of also show the kids that like, you know, it, it is totally fine if you make a mistake when you're reading or singing. It doesn't mean, like as long as you're communicating, yeah. 
Yeah, because they can be scared to read um, yeah. out loud. Yeah, there can be an awful lot of pressure about, about doing things really correctly. And I like to, particularly in a library service, um, I like to dispel that as much as possible. Oh. Yes. <laughs> we're beautifully imperfect in the library Just, service. Just, you know, so they don't expect too, expect too much of us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just in a general sense. So, yes, kicking. Oh, kicking. Just kicking a ball. A ball in the playground. A ball on the grass. A shot on the run. A dribble. A pass. A ball before breakfast. A ball before bed. A dream of a ball. A goal in the head. Don't want a ball that's odd or screw that you hit with a mallet or a billiard cue. Don't want a ball that's made of meat. I'd really rather score than eat. Not a ball cock or a ball point or a plastic ball and socket joint. But, putting it more or less boldly, a ball. Kicking a ball, kicking a ball. That's surely the purpose of life after all. Not climbing a mountain in far Nepal or diving for pearls in the Bay of Bengal. Not sailing a yacht on a tight hole in a sudden squall. Donegal. Ah, nice Irish shout out there. In this page here, um, there's just this beautiful map that Sebastian Braun has drawn these gorgeous pictures on top of. But kicking a ball, kicking a ball, kick, 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 kicking a ball. This is a pretty emotional page. You can see the kid kicking the ball and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until he's an adult with his own kids. And later on, as the years pass, I'll still be running across the grass Kicking a ball, kicking a pole with Clive and Malcolm and Trevor and Paul. And they are all holding their own kids now. Yeah, they are. Reading the paper, having a shave, forcing the goalie to make a save. Kissing my wife, bathing our baby, kicking a ball and scoring, maybe. Till baby toddles and tackles and then starts the ball rolling all over again. What I like best, yes, most of all in my whole life is kicking a ball in freezing cold or blinding heat ever and always a ball at my feet, caked in mud, covered in sweat, scoring the goals I'll never forget. Yes, life is a circle, endless and small, and when all said and done, the world's a ball. And I would just like to say that in this last couple of pages, because the story has really focused on boys in the text, kicking balls. And so Sebastian Braun has very thoughtfully sorted that out in the last two pages by having a lovely young girl playing soccer. So it's not quite it's so specific. Yeah. yeah, that's lovely. It's very emotional. It's so simple, but I think not speaking as a football yeah. fan myself, but I can imagine what that's like, that passion for a sport. And usually football fans are fanatical they really life. are yeah and I think that bit of it um so when we were looking at Chris Houghton it was very simple and there were spare words but the meaning was kind of quite deep and philosophical whereas when we're looking at Michael Rosen and Alan Alberg it's really interesting so there's this kind of dichotomy between being and becoming so there's like the child as they are and making things kind of for the pleasure and enjoyment um, of the kid and then there's the child as they will become um, which is helping them to develop into you know an amazing adult or teenager or whatever and so Chris Houghton is very beautifully dealing with the helping the child to become whereas Alan Alberg and Michael Rosen are just like glorying in childhood just in the nitty-gritty of childhood of like eating cake you're not supposed to and kicking a ball against a wall and there's something really lovely about that that it doesn't all have to be 
development you know sometimes you can just kind of sit and really enjoy the childishness of it all yeah and there's a lovely intention there I think even though it's simple I think when they have the intention from the beginning it really feels you feel it it feels nostalgic it feels very um sort of honest yeah no it it does and it comes through when you're reading both of them you can really feel the authors in those two do you know like you can really feel what a master Michael Rosen is do you know you can really feel what a master that man is and when you're reading Kicking a Ball I mean Alan Alberg he's written so many gorgeous gorgeous and incredible stories but he's such um, a wonderful grandfatherly type figure he writes with well he was writing with his wife as well isn't he? she was doing the illustrations she was a beautiful illustrator yeah yeah. he does a few with his daughter um, who's also a gorgeous illustrator um, but yeah so he has this this kind of other tone but it's still really centered on on this wonderful experience of childhood yes. that is enough in itself do you know yes and I like about those too I love it that, uh, thank you Vita that's so great and I love how even though this is just audio it's they, they're just wonderful to listen to just the words and even if they're not real <laughs> words so. as well <laughs> I think that's down to to your delivery as well it's lovely so if you had to give a few top tips for reading to children reading out loud I know you've covered it all in, in your beautiful reading there. Um, what would be your top tips? My top tips. My first top tip would be to kind of create a bit of a sense of ritual. Um, so it feels like really fun. So I would make sure there's like soft blankets and maybe some chocolate cake or something similar. Um, thinking into food. Um, maybe some shakers or things. Just something kind of sensorial, like some sensory things. Um my second tip would be to try and make it regular. So it's kind of a predictable thing. And my third tip would be to use hilarious voices. Um, I think some of the most memorable stories that I have read, I, I said I wouldn't read on the podcast because they're a bit embarrassing. Um, but it is certainly more fun to read The Highway Rat in the voice of Tyrion from Games of Thrones than it is not to. It's still fun not to read it like that, but it's definitely the most fun to read it that way. Um, I think if we get enough people emailing in, we'll, we'll <laughs> ask you back to, to You'll do have that. to find me. <laughs> Thank you, um, Peter. Yeah, those are my three, my three top tips. Um, so basically, be cosy, have fun, do it often. Great. So thank you very much for joining oh, you're us. You're very welcome. <laughs>